Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. You know, this is really targeting our senior executive team first to, to walk the talk right? And to commit to developing themselves and their team members. And our hope is it just spreads like wildfire. My name is David Gerber with Novus Global. I'm a partner and I've got Amanda and Chalstegi with me, who's also a partner as well. Hi, Amanda. And then we also uh, have Danielle, who is going to be joining us as we talk through this coaching conversation. So let's, let's jump right into it, Danielle. Tell us a little bit about just a set of context for us. What's your role? Where do you work? Um, and then we'll, we'll jump right in from there. All right. So my name is Danielle Smith and I lead uh, human resources at Shape Corporation. We are an automotive supplier headquartered in Grand Haven, Michigan. We've got a global footprint of about 4,500 employees globally. All right, Fort of Honor. So can you talk us through, let's start with a chronological approach. Talk us through your engagement with Novus Global. And Amanda and I are going to play, I don't know if we'll play devil's advocate. We're going to, we're going to poke at some things and really look at figuring out what is it about coaching that was helpful for shape and how did you get into it? So let's start back kind of at the beginning. How did you enter into the conversation with Novus Global? How did that come about? And then draw that up to where you made the decision to work with Novus Global. And then we'll talk about some of the impact that it had on Shape's uh, company and culture? Yeah. Um, So Shape is a privately held company. And one of our owners, Tony Verplank, was actually exposed to Novus years ago. I think he was at an external event and he um, had the pleasure of hearing from Jason, who founded Novus. And he was so impacted by whatever Jason said uh, that he started a relationship with him. Fast forward Mm -hmm. to today, and I think Tony just found great benefit in the coaching that he was, was going through. He started to expand that to our other owner, his brother, along with our president um, of Shape, Mark White. And they they just started getting more and more exposure to our executive leadership team, finding real benefit in um, the changes that were were being made on a day-to-day basis. Today, our goal is to have every executive leader at Shape globally exposed to this coaching. And um, by the end of the year, our expectation is that we will have a core group of um, certified coaches at Shape that will carry this forward and really drive it to lower levels of the organization. I love that. Danielle, do you remember from when once it got from like Tony and Kyle and then to Mark, what was the next thing that happened? Yeah, you know, I, I think if if Mark White were on today, I think he might say, you know what, it took me a little bit of time. Right? I think Tony right away was finding some real benefit I think Mm -hmm. with the way that our shape culture was at the time and and how we've operated, I do think it took Mark at least a year to start to really get it himself, right? And be bought in and notice changes that he was making in the way that he was leading. Once it clicked for him, he started pulling in our leadership team. And it, it just was timed at a point where Mark's team had really had some change. So we've got several new leaders with the organization that are bringing new thinking, best practices, and the time was right to, to really push this across yeah. um, our team, uh, align on how we want to lead moving forward in the organization. So real quick, just to set the context, so like listeners know exactly where we're at. So Tony heard Jason speak at an event 
And then Tony started working with Jason one-on-one coaching and then Kyle as well. And then Mark as well. And that, mm-hmm. my guess is that took a, maybe six to 12 months of them working with Jason before you were introduced to it inside of the company. Yep. And we come together as a leadership team on a quarterly basis. And we use one of those meetings to have Jason and um, several of his coaches present um, a workshop to our executive leadership team. And I would say, you know, moving out of that, we identified a small group of executive leaders that were gravitating towards that way of thinking to go through their own coaching experience. And so a year later, after having gone through that coaching experience, that's when we really said as a company, we want this to spread. And, And we were you know, starting to see some of our leaders pulling, you know, asking for more. And we've now made this commitment um, to reach all of our executives globally by the end of the year. Did we do the training with you guys before the coaching? Were you part of that first round of coaching? I was, yeah. So I, I had, um, I did participate in, in that first round, that training. So I had some exposure to the concepts before I went through a coaching experience. Yes. So Jason speaks, Jason coaches, Tony, Kyle, and Mark. Then we come in and do the two-day training. And then we did the follow-up coaching with, so I think if I remember right, there was about 50 people in that training. And then- We took a subset. Yeah. The 15 to 20 people got coaching from there. And then chronologically, I think after that, then you hired Novus Global to come in and actually train your team how to coach as well. Um, and then now we're doing some follow-up coaching. So there's a really beautiful thread. It is. I want to go back to, I always love to like poke around at, like when you were introduced to this by Mark uh, or Tony or Kyle, whoever it was that introduced you to it, uh, did you have hesitancies or what what concerns did you have? What did you think about it when they came to you and said, hey, we want to bring Novus Global in to do some work with us? What went through your head? So, I I mean, I'm an HR geek, right? So this is the kind of thing that, you know, typically it would be HR bringing this forward to leadership. I think what um, I reflect on quite often is that this is coming from our senior leadership and from our our owners, right? And and so I think the struggles that I've had in the past have been where it's difficult to get the buy-in at the leadership level. Mm. I'm in in a situation where I'm being asked to go right? Let's do this. I've got the buy-in. I've got the commitment from leadership. And so it's just a really beautiful thing to be able to help lead the organization through this. So for you, that was like a, a win, like, oh my gosh. It was a win. And I would say, you know, something that's drawn me towards shape and why I think our company is really well positioned for this is development has been a core value for the company since our existence. But I think what we're trying to do now as we grow and we create a larger vision for our organization is to really figure out how do we how can we become more deliberate in the way that we develop ourselves and those around us. And so this fits so nicely into our vision where development is a part of our our daily routine. It's natural. Right. So, you know, this is really targeting our senior executive team first to to walk the talk right? And to commit to developing themselves and and their team members. And our hope is it just spreads like wildfire. Danielle, that's interesting to me because I I talk to a lot of companies and they'll, especially HR departments, and it is like, we're already doing this. We already have a really big focus on learning and development. We have this program, we have this program. And and you guys have like, you've been doing this for a long time. Like you said, a really high value. Why in the world bring somebody else in like you guys were doing just fine i think this step was critical for us we are still a a smaller organization something that Mm -hmm. 
you know, keeps me at shape is that we are so agile and fast paced. Um, but I will say that we struggle like many other organizations in making the commitment to prioritize learning. And what yeah. Novus has allowed us to do is to make that commitment. And it's whole, you know, you're holding us in, into account for carving out that time to learn how to move from, you know, being consultants to coaches, right? And how we can empower our teams to come up with their own visions and get out of their way and, and going after those visions. I don't think we would have fully committed to dedicating that time without having Novus's involvement. We're too fast paced, right? It's, it's easy to put learning at the bottom of the list. Did you feel like Novus Global was competing at all with what you were already doing? I wouldn't say competing. I think it's complimentary. Yeah. And I think that that you have helped us really flesh out the vision for our development culture. Yeah. We've got a strategic priority, a global strategic priority around people culture that's focused on this development culture and it's multifaceted. And yeah. meta performance and the coaching we're doing at our executive level is one of several components but it goes hand in hand with the other initiatives that we have underway. You use the phrase uh, meta performance there, and I want to make sure to not breeze over that because it's one of our, our favorite terms that we've uh, invented, I guess. Jason invented it. If you were to describe meta performance in your own terms, Danielle, not to put you on the spot here, but how would you describe it when you think about the concept of meta performance? If you were talking about that with another HR director at another company, and they're like, wait, what, what meta performance, what the heck does that mean? What might you say? And just feel free to just do your first draft of it. Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly, especially in human resources, talk a lot about high performance, right? And what that means and really making sure that we're taking care of those high performers and identifying those. Meta performance is super cool. Everybody can achieve meta performance if they've got that learning mindset. And so what it is, it's what am I capable of? right? It is that learning mindset. And so it fits into the capability structure we already have at Shape. What am I doing every day to stretch and challenge myself and, and really yeah. push myself to go beyond what I think is possible, right? Yeah. But, you know, and we might get into this, I, I think a struggle that we've had is how to create that culture without burning out our team members. If we're always pushing ourselves beyond our capabilities, we already got a lot of priorities. There's no way we can achieve meta performance across all of those. And that is something that we're struggling with as an organization and trying to work through. Yeah. One of the companies we worked with, they, they came up with this term of like, what does meta performance fatigue look like? And it was really interesting conversation. And the CEO was asking his, his leadership team if they were experiencing meta performance fatigue. And we helped them kind of retweak the conversation from a binary, like yes or no, to on a scale from one to 10, how how much meta performance fatigue are you experiencing? And we found it to be a really good pulse for them to just go, yeah, I'm, I'm really feeling it. And then, cause then what you can do is if I'm feeling it at a level seven, then we can figure out what can we do to get, to bring that down closer to a one in terms of the, the fatigue I'm experiencing and find it as a way to kind of recalibrate and reset of, of what that looks like. We use a lot of metaphors with high level athletes and a high level athlete, you know, if somebody can go sprint a hundred yards, they're the best in the world at that, but you put them on a 400 and they lose. 
And so if you don't create structures with which to give yourself a break or breathers or periods of recovery, it, you can get into this fatigue place. So that's really interesting. Um, so what you're saying there, and I just to draw the distinction. So you said it's about what you're capable of. It is. Yeah. From a, you know, a high performance standpoint, what I really liked about your model and, and how we've been describing that as shape is, you know, you might get to high performance, right? Depending on what talent management process you you have in place, you might even be told you have you know high potential. You are a high performer. In those cases, you might stop, right? You become complacent. You already got to be the best, yeah. and so maybe now you can coast, right? Or you know what is there yep. there for you to do? And and so that's really the shift in mindset that we're trying to make is we don't want our team members ever becoming complacent. And you can compare that as as a company. When I joined Shape, you know we had become the best at roll form bumpers. And I wonder to the degree with which we stopped looking outside, right? We stopped continuing to grow and learn because we had achieved that. And we have sensed, you know, over the last couple of years, and again, why, you know, this methodology that we're talking about makes so much sense for us is we're looking outside, right? We're always looking to evolve continue to press the envelope to innovate, to grow as a organization. I have a question around, so after that first two day, okay, so the executives get coached or like the top three, and then we come in and do the two day training with 50 people in the room. And then the executives, there were like 10 people that got coached. Is that around? Yeah, we had, I think we had about that number. We selected those really based on, their interest in the coaching, right? And so I think we definitely looked at the broad reach that they have and the impact they could make mm-hmm. by going through this coaching, but it really needed to be two-way. I mean, we are investing in somebody's development. We want to make sure that those executives are, are really going to make the most of it, right? And are passionate about it because we do want um, this to be uh, more organic. And when we come in and work, sometimes it's like, where are you going to get the most ROI for your investment? So you don't make the investment in someone who is like a low performer who you want to like coach up necessarily, but it is the people where that ROI is going to be. What results did you start to see from these 10 people be coached for, I think it was like six months or so, six or nine months? What did you begin to see over the course of that time? What results did you see? What was great that you saw? What were the challenges that came? What was that like as people were starting to get coached? Man, if I remember, because I was part of that that initial group, I, I can remember what I felt in some of my first sessions with you, Amanda, right? And I remember yep. having a couple conversations about, I don't get this. I mean, it's all about program management. I mean, I, I know how to set a vision and come up with, milestones and sprint goals. What is, what is Amanda talking about? Right. And, and very quickly, my experience was one where, oh, I get it. Right. Amanda's trying to get me to uncover what I'm doing to hold myself back. How am I getting in my own way? What am I avoiding? Am I setting a big enough you know, vision and goal. And so that was the experience that a lot of my colleagues had as well. You know, there are so many learnings that have come out of this and and I could list, I could probably talk about that for the, the rest of this, but I would say there are some practices that are sticking and have taken off at shape. 
And these are the ones that I think are going to create that development culture. And, and these are some basic ones that you don't have to go through the coaching, but that have just started to spread. So I think the concept among our leadership team about that coaching versus consulting, that's a big one. And I think because I don't know if it's the size of our organization or it's the type of culture we had in place, but when I joined, right, I remember how hands-on as a leader we all were and telling our team members how to do it, getting in side by side with them and, and doing the work, right? And I am seeing us, and, and this is good timing because we have a big vision. And if we're going to achieve that, we need to empower our leaders to set the vision to come up with their own answers and, and set their own direction through the questioning we ask them, right? So I think that's number one, and I'm seeing that happen much more broadly. Can I poke at that just to, again, just I'm yeah. thinking about people that are listening and we're throwing like, uh, like the terms coaching versus consulting even might be like not clear about the difference between those two. And I think it's really crucial to what you've seen work at shape and the stuff that we bring in that we love so much and why we do it the way we do it, why we heavily emphasize what we call inquiry based coaching versus consulting. And, and again, we love consulting as well. It's just a different kind of approach to it because I'm guessing Shape has hired a lot of consultants and it's been really helpful. So it's, it's a great thing. Well, as a leader, a lot of the times you think like, okay, it is my job to tell people what to do. I'm the one who has all the knowledge. I've been here for 20 years. Like I know how this goes. You own the company. Yeah. Right. Like I know what I want done. Like I'm just, it, things would move a lot faster if I just tell people what to do and then they go and do it. So there was a lot of people coming to you with a lot of questions, with a lot of problems that you were solving. And that was taking up a lot of your time. A lot of my time. Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of your time. And I would say this is for me personally, the biggest growth area for me is a leader because I am fast to step in. I'm, I'm very fast to step in. And am I developing my team when I'm not slowing down to listen, mm. right? I'm not through questioning, getting them to uncover what they're doing um, to hold themselves back or the ideas that they have for achieving that that vision that might look slightly different than mine. Yeah. And so, so the distinction between coaching, consulting, yep. how would you put that in your own words, Danielle? And then as a follow-up, and I can ask this again once you, yeah. you share that, why did you find it to be effective? How did you find it to be effective? So start with like the distinction between the two and then mm -hmm. in your own words, and then what, how'd that play out? Yeah. So I think the consulting really is, is more focused on, you know, how am I as a leader telling my team the answer, right? And I do have some, and I'm not saying that we never do that. There are times when that makes sense. I'm sharing from my past experiences and skills, right? But it's knowing the difference in when you give that guidance versus when you help your team members yeah. come to their own realization through the questioning you're asking and through that active listening, right? And, and I think that for me, it's as much of a, a growth opportunity for me as it is for my team. So that's been pretty cool. What we oftentimes will say when Novus Global was training your team to be coaches, we would talk about the difference between a coaching hat and a consulting hat. And most times, really great leaders, they're really great at the consulting hat, they, but they have a hard time taking off the consulting hat and say, I'm going to put my coaching hat on. And like, I want to give you the answer because it feels good to like know the answer, to give you the answer. And I'm the answer person. But what you said alluded to the idea that then now there's a bit of a cap on my time because if I'm have to be the answer person, I can't scale as well. 
and I'm not scaling people that are empowered. I'm scaling people that need to come to me for the answer. And so I know what we focus a lot on was take off your consulting hat, take off your, I know the answer hat and ask a really powerful question to draw the answer out of somebody else. Uh, I'm sort of answering the question I want to, I want to ask you in some ways and putting legs to it. But so how did you see that having your leader shift into consult, uh, sorry, coaching mode? How did you see that benefit the organization? I, I think there is a, a little bit of this kind of time consideration that you're talking about and maybe a little bit about our leaders wanting to to look good, right? And that's there Yeah. versus where, where our vision is taking us, which is that we are developing our people and the next generation of our leaders to lead. And I'm seeing us better balance that. I, I've seen growth in that, you know, middle management level right now, especially right? Because we are recognizing those moments where we can take the time where we should be taking the time to focus more on on the coaching. And then the result for middle management is if you were to make it as tangible as possible, what is, what's the result? What are like the benefits that middle management experiences when they're getting coached and then they're learning to coach? Like what are some of like the things you've seen happen? And maybe you have like a story or two that might come to mind of this particular manager who shifted yeah. in a certain way? I mean, I'm seeing right now, I've got an example of our director of manufacturing who went through coaching this this past round. He hasn't gone through a coach certification, right? I am seeing him challenging his team members to set really large goals and working with them through, you know, listening to get them to improve their skills and they're achieving great results. And it's going beyond that, right? It's he's at a point where he's proactively coming to me and saying, look, I'm not going through coaching again this session, but I've got aspirations to do this. And I've got other team members that will benefit. Can you point me to these resources? Because I've already started some relationships with these other team members. And when you look, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this and, and why, why we feel like we're benefiting when you look at how this coaching is, is working, we're focusing on some of those real business solutions that if I can challenge my team members to think differently and how they set up those goals and how I help them get there, there's an ROI impact. We have that in mind. And I think that's why we, we value this is uh, we're being mindful of the situations where this is a benefit to your own development, but this is a benefit to our company, right? And that probably leads into one of the second things that that I'm, I'm noticing, which is all about expanding the intuitive fence. And it's that metaformance, what am I capable of? And am I sandbagging when I'm I'm setting my annual goals for the year, right? I'm pretty good at sandbagging in my, my triathlon <laughs> races. So I, I know this well, but I'm hearing our leaders have discussions about their their goals for their teams and their team members. And they are pushing them to think about, well, drop those barriers, right? Come back with a bigger vision and, and let's talk about it. And that I think is where, you know, through this, through this kind of goal setting process and, you know, focusing on expanding our mindsets on what we're capable of, we are going after targets that are mind blowing, right? Um, they just are. I've got one, you know, good example of a, a team member that I coached. He, he leads HR for our Asia division. 
And his coaching outcome was to create more of a meta performance company in Asia. And what that meant is creating our performance process so that team members form meta performance goals. He was looking across the goals that we set as an organization and saying, I don't think they're challenging enough. I don't know that we are spending the amount of time that we could. And so you're looking across your whole salaried workforce there and they're setting exceeds targets. And that is going to result. There's no way that's not going to result in us achieving more than we would have had we not pressed on our teams. Well, and even has you, how you're talking about it, sometimes when we start looking at really big meta-performing outcomes and they start talking about things that are outside of what they think is currently possible, there's like a feeling of overwhelm, of like, oh, geez, that's going to mean a lot of work. I don't know how we're going to do this. But even as you're talking about it, it's almost like there's this confidence of, oh, this is fun. We can set these goals that are outside what we think is possible because we have the tools in which to move forward in them. Like the energy as you're talking about it, it just sounds like normal. Like, yeah, we're going to do crazy things. And I think that's the balance because I, I guess, you know, if I really reflect, I'm seeing excitement. I'm seeing a fire in people that I, I didn't see before. I mean, man, people like to grow. I mean, in general, <laughs> and those are the one, and I think those are the ones we want to keep in our organization. And so there have yeah. been some yeah. leaders who maybe were in a rut and didn't know how they fit in our organization as we're moving forward. And we're investing the time, we're committing this time. And it's just been so exciting to watch um, some of them come back with these goals that, that are big, they're lofty, and it's getting them excited about their work. Now, again, we need to balance that because if we say we want to be meta performers and everything we do, it's going <laughs> to result in burnout. And so where, where we are as a leadership team is we have to be more focused in what we are committing to. And, and that is something, you know, that I've carried with me in my personal life, right? Because I, I this transcends the professional setting, but I'm mindful and our, our leaders are mindful that we really need to make sure that we know what we want to go after, right? And be selective in where we're setting those meta performance goals. As you were talking, Danielle, I was thinking about, because there's inevitably things that come up when you start to dream big, because like the end is not, oh yeah, we dream big and then boom, we hit it and we quadrupled yeah. our business and overnight and like there's challenges that come up. And I remember I was coaching two people on the team and you could tell that they were, it was when we were coaching them to coach. And one of the, one of the guys was coaching his direct report and trying to do it through coaching. And I had him, I was like, flip your consultant hat on. Like, what do you really want to say to this guy? And he was, he was like, okay, what I really want to say is that I don't think your outcomes are big enough. I think you're sandbagging a little bit. And so he got to say what he really meant. And then I said to his direct report, I said, now say what you really are thinking to your boss. Like, be honest, like be a fourth company. And he, he said uh, separate words. He said, I think you're full of crap. I don't think you know what you're talking about. Like I'm down here <laughs> on this level, you know? And so there was a little bit of a tussle. And then we, we drew back and I said, now, how does it feel to be able to have that kind of candor together where you can throw the consultant hat on and say, hey, I don't think you're dreaming big enough. And then you can say back to your boss, like, hey, I think you're full of crap. You don't know what it's like down here. Um, and then you can wrestle with it. Like, Great. So we kind of got that out of the way. Because when you start to go into that place, like you said, beyond your intuitive fence, beyond your comfort zone, beyond what you think you're capable of, it brings up all sorts of vibes for people of, well, if I do that and set those kind of goals for the year and then I don't hit them, am I going to feel bad about it? Yeah. Or is my boss going to 
think I'm swinging too big, too small? How do we find the right fit? What's the, what's the right stretch goal? Like what's the, how do we even do that? And is it, is the stretch goal just a, yeah, cool. We have a stretch goal kind of pipe dream thing and wrestling through that. But I found it to be such a beautiful moment where the two of them felt like they could be honest about what they're thinking without it being like really like insulting to someone. And then we were able to draw back and they were able to have a really good conversation about finding that right fit for a stretch goal. And the two of them built a better relationship from that point forward. And I was so proud of them for being willing to step into that. Have you come up against any other challenges like that? As you dream big, do you get people in the, in the company that are cynical of that process or, or any other challenge that you've run into when you bring in this outside company, that's like, oh yeah, let's go big 10 X division. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Like, yeah, boom, you know, whatever. And I'm sure some people are sitting there in the training going, oh my gosh, give me a break. They're rolling their eyes. Have you run into any of that? And yeah. like, if so, like, what have you brought in to address that, I guess? You know, something that we talk about in our organization a lot is just that that psychological safety, right? And having the, the trust with your leaders. And, you know, I'm not going to say that we're at a point where everybody could set these meta-performing goals without fear that something may happen if they don't achieve them, right? We're, we're trying to figure out how meta-performance fits in with our culture, as we know what it's shaped today. Mm -hmm. And we're on a, a journey there. And as this starts to expand beyond our leadership team, I expect we're gonna have many more of those discussions around, you know, is it safe for me to set these goals? Um, what I can say is I am seeing evidence in all of our leaders, especially those that are investing the time in this coaching around vulnerability, right? And around listening. And I'd like to say, given I'm in human resources, that our talent management processes are, are already doing all these things, that they are resulting in really great quality performance discussions with our team members. But, you know, we're, we're not all the way there. And I think this coaching is really helping us to, like I said, more consistently have conversations where team members feel more comfortable coming forward. I don't know if that answers your question, but but I think we're we're on the path to to figuring this out. One thing that you said, we came in and gave tools and like a way, but you guys have really taken it and made it your own, which I think is beautiful. And so it is super super cool and this is again I think where I do get a little bit geeked out. So we have a leadership capability. We've got a whole capability model right? And we have five leadership capabilities that are at the top of this model. One of them is people development. And this past year, we've set as an organization, a global priority is around this development culture and being more deliberate as it relates to development. And we have actually adjusted the definition of people development at shape. And, and our team members are assessed on this, right? We, we care very deeply about that capability. It really, it's shifted um, to the point where, you know, our, our vision, what we, we define that is, is that our team members are proactively developing them themselves and those around them, right, on, on a daily basis. And when you look at the behaviors that we have tied to our people development capability, along with others, such as results, we've started embedding meta-performance language. So we've made, they're not huge adjustments, yeah. They may seem minor, but now when you look at our model and the, the detail within it, we are, are, are really going to start you know, assessing and, and valuing performance and behaviors based on some of these concepts. 
right? And that is at the heart of everything we do, right? Those capabilities drive our job descriptions. They drive our performance process. They drive our individual development. They drive how we reward and recognize team members. And so we really are, I, I hope, on a pretty fast path to get us towards our, our vision around development. How has it been with the ROI, like actual results that your company has achieved? So this year, I don't want to say that that I can tell you right now that we've seen you know X percent increase in our profitability or reduction in our, our retention or a percentage of team members who, who were promoted based on this shift. But this year, I think we're well positioned to start quantifying the, the ROI. So this year, we, we've already started talking about it. But our, our goal is to have this other round of, of executives going through through our coaching and by the end of the year be in a position where we can take this forward because we've got a core group of certified coaches that will drive this. And so we should we are starting to catalog the goals that our teams are setting as part of the coaching experience with the tangible outcomes, right? We want you to create outcomes that we can measure. Um, so that we can come back and say there was an ROI. And I think, you know, if I think about how Mark leads shape, I think we're in a very good position because we care about ROI. And we think this model um, is is really suitable to, to allowing us to calculate some of those costs. But we also believe in this. We believe that having this sort of culture and leading in this way makes us a better company you know, from a profitability standpoint, but also just in the way that we innovate and manage day to day. I think it's safe to say we're on, like, let's say the fourth or fifth contract that we're worked with Shape. So part of that, I'm assuming speaks for itself. And that's not necessarily just to pat ourselves on the back. But for us, it is probably the biggest determiner of whether we are getting mm-hmm. an ROI. And then as we work through the the challenge of actually making that very tangible. And, you know, if, the, if it wasn't going well, my guess is we wouldn't be working together anymore if it wasn't having the impact that you and your team and the owners were setting out for it to have. So it's really fun to think about that. And we really love that working with clients over a number of contracts because we, we assume that that means it's working and it's it's working its way into the system. I'm interested more even on a personal level for you, Danielle, asking you like <laughs> personal stories about how it's impacted your um, leadership. And, and that can be, you know, personal as well as professional. I'd love to hear maybe of a story or two of how it shifted something for you. You went outside of your intuitive defense comfort zone. How has it shaped you personally? Because you've been, you not, not only you're the HR um, director, you were getting the coaching as well. You became a, a certified coach. So you've been in the thick of it. What's been the impact on you personally? I think for me personally, it was timed at a point that I was going through a transition in my career. And so I was just moving into my leadership position when when I started my coaching with Amanda. And I think for me early on, and it was hard work. It was really hard work. I, I already was feeling underwater and this was something kind of an addition and doing a lot of self-reflection. You know, I think there were days where I was like, this is too much self-reflection, <laughs> but it really put me on the path to develop my own, I don't want to say my own, it's aligned to our business strategy and and culture, right? But my vision for our global HR organization. And I have made changes, you know, some, some difficult changes in my organization structure to really position our team for achieving our goals. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I would have moved as fast 
had it not been for this coaching. And so I am seeing right now with a lot of our leaders, especially because we do have some new executives on board that they're centering some of their coaching, you know, outcomes on, on their organizations and it's resulting in maybe faster pace. Those can be tough discussions, especially when you're balancing a culture that has historically, you know, been caring. And we've had a lot of discussion as a company can, you know, results be congruent with a, a caring culture. So I think that's one. The other thing yeah. for me, you know, one of the things that that we were doing in our coaching and the training, it was reserving time for acknowledging your team members and acknowledging yourself. I start all of my team meetings now with acknowledgements. We just reserve five minutes of time. And, you know, during the pandemic, our, our work has changed. Our global team is now uh, working more closely together through the use of, you know, our, our technology. And I have just seen, I mean, it's an energy shift with the global team. It's just, I mean, we start our meetings off on the right foot because there's always a list. I mean, we can barely get everybody the, the space to give their acknowledgements about how we're helping each other out, how we're growing each other. And so that's been pretty big for me. And then I, I think we've already talked a little bit um, just, you know, in moving from the position I was in to this one, I'm going through my own transformation on how do I spend more time coaching and, and less time consulting. And that, that's been, you know, fundamental for me. The last thing I'll say, and I, I'm seeing this in myself, I'm seeing it in others, and it's leading into my personal life is one of the values that um, we learn about love with this model is, is this fierce advocacy and really kind of flipping how you yes. think about your work, your interactions, your team members that you might be struggling with, right? Where it's all about, man, I mean, I'm here for you right? I'm not here to work against you. I'm, I'm here mm. for you. And how can I show up to do that? And I'm seeing that flip in some of those, you know, sensitive conversations that I'm having from an HR standpoint. And it's, it, it really is powerful. I love that. So if, if an owner or a executive team or HR department is listening to this, uh, what would you tell them? Like, let's say they're considering Novus Global, they're considering leadership development, um, and they're on the fence about it, or wondering about the cost, or you know, whatever objections they might be having to it. What would you say to them if you were talking uh, directly to them? I would say, you know, slow down and learn about it. Right, take the time <laughs> out to really test it out. I think, you know, number one, you've got to have that that top level commitment. But I would say this has been mm -hmm. transformational for our organization. And some of these concepts, right, they may not be, you know, new concepts, but when you put everything together, when you look at the way that you're going about this and the partnership that, that you can have with, you know, in this case with, with Novus, it's leading to real change and you're linking it back to your business results. And more than anything, right, it's, it's consistent with that value around development. Yeah. I want to acknowledge you because like, I remember being in the room with that two day training with you and like meeting you for the first time. And then knowing that we were going to get to spend the time together coaching and doing some of that wrestling and you were busy and you had a very full plate and it was like really 45 minutes, three times a month to stop and slow down. Like you took it and you pressed in and you were committed to creating value from it and you were committed to showing up and being honest and having new conversations with people on your team 
and making actions that felt uncomfortable, but were new. And then to see you step into the coaching space and have that be a new level of uncomfortable and press in and be so hungry to grow. I just want to acknowledge you because we can do whatever, but you made it what it is because of the value that you brought and about like how committed you were to creating that value with not only yourself professionally and personally, but throughout the organization. Well, I accept that, Amanda. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this year and, and what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, we love that. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for uh, your investment of time in this and being willing to do this with uh, with us. That's all we've got for today. So for Danielle, Amanda, and myself, David, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance. Oh,